morning. Um, there's two scripture readings this morning. First one is John 15, 12 through 17. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one this than somebody to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for, you, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit and that your fruit may ab should abide and so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. And then just two verses from Matthew 28, uh, 18 to 20. I'm not sure if that one's out there. It's all good. You'll know it anyway by heart. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth Sorry. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Morning couple of little editorial notes to begin. One, in reference to the scripture reading, that this is not a point in the sermon, but I think it's a point worth making. Um, there, there's a promise in, in both of those readings that God will be with us. In the first one, there's the promise that many of you have heard, whatever you ask in my name, I will give to you, right? That has been misused and abused by certain distortions of the gospel including the prosperity gospel, to say you get whatever you ask. Um, and th that's, this is the context of these verses in light of mission. Um, and it's, it's mirrored by that, those words in Matthew where Jesus says, as you seek to uh, fulfill this mission, I will be with you even to the end of the ages. I'm always with you. So that's one editorial note. The other is more to do with uh, news in our world these days and um, something that I think is helpful for, for us to remember, uh, particularly those in this room who share the Christian faith in terms of uh, how we should relate to those around us who don't share the Christian faith. Uh, and that is that you may have seen in the news yesterday that as Jewish people in our country and in other places gathered for worship uh, for their services, there were many places in which people of different faiths lined the sidewalk outside of those buildings, those synagogues, uh, and in solidarity with the Jewish people inside, including, in many of these places, these groups were uh, led by Muslim people, and Christians participated as well. Uh, also, immediate fo immediately following last Saturday's shooting in Pittsburgh, a number of Islamic groups raised tens of thousands of dollars, that's the last I heard, it's probably higher now, uh, to donate to the Tree of Life Synagogue and to the causes that it supports. One of those causes is the resettlement of refugees, and it's an organization that has, a Jewish organization that's been around for well over 100 years to resettle people who are facing persecution or 
And you can imagine that if the organization is that old, it was a Jewish organization that in a way was founded to help resettle Jewish people when they were facing great persecution, particularly in Europe. But now that that, for the most part, is not happening, unfortunately it is happening in some ways, but it's not needed in the same way in terms of settlement and migration, uh, that Jewish group is resettling mostly Muslim people. And it was that group that the shooter referred to as something that he hated um, before he went in and killed those people. I say this, and I think it's appropriate as we consider prayers of mission today, because there should be a tension that you feel. We're going to talk about a few points of tension in terms of renewing our call of mission in this world. And one of the points of tension should be, how do we relate to people of different faiths? In some ways, I don't know that this is true, and I think it's probably too rigid of a line to draw, but in some ways it probably used to be easier when the lines were more rigid and you could kind of be more against. And maybe there weren't as many people with a different faith around you. Now, of course, we live in a world where that's not the case. Ken Bell and I sat down for coffee. We had a wonderful uh, time of coffee uh, with a local imam uh, just a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. And uh, we were asking him if he would help us with one of our tasting room theologies. He actually came back to us and said he can't do that right now. And I could tell the reason was he was a little bit worried about some of the conservative elements in his own congregation in terms of, you know, partnering up. And a couple things stood out when we met with him. One, um, he was substantially younger than both of us. So we're getting to be old ministers now. Um, and and uh, one of the things was some of the common features in his journey, how people in his faith encouraged him when he was young to get into this and become, and, and then he finished that and he said, so then I started studying and they said, you should go and study over here. And I did. And, and he said, and then I became an imam. And just like that. And then he was also able to articulate some of the tensions within his own congregation. Um, and we asked some questions that I won't tell you here. Do you face this and this and this? And he's, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. Uh, the other thing that stood out was how different our sets of beliefs are. Uh, we do not believe the same things. And when I talk about respecting other people's faith, part of what that means is respecting that Christians and Muslims and Jewish people believe different things on some important matters. And so it is not to, to put some kind of, you know, everything's the same and if we all just got along it would be great. In fact, the call to love and respect one another will help us to see the differences. And somehow as we seek to move forward in terms of mission, it's, an, it's, it's a renewed sense to, to respect many of the differences around us and yet learn more and more about our Christian faith and value our Christian faith even more. So, those are the editorial notes. 100 days of prayer, and today is prayers of mission. We have spoken so far about prayers of blessing, deliverance, lament, thanksgiving, healing, intercession, and help. We've been on this journey for some time now, and most of those, if you look at the list, if you can read them, if the print is big enough, um, you would say, I kind of get that. I kind of get how to pray a prayer of blessing. A prayer of deliverance sounds a little bit more religious, maybe, a little bit more charismatic at points. But you know how you can pray for somebody to be delivered from addiction, for example, or something else. Um, prayer of lament is maybe a little bit more difficult. That's praying a prayer of sorrow, mourning on behalf of yourself or others. And then, of course, we get to some that are more understandable prayers of thanksgiving and healing. 
And Ken did a lovely job speaking about uh, the breadth of healing, that it's not only physical healing we're praying for. And then uh, prayers of intercession, praying for one another, and finally prayers of help. So each one, you can kind of say, I get that. Lament might be tougher, but uh, the others are a little easier, particularly, excuse me, intercession and help. Uh, Most churches, most kind of evangelical churches like ours, are huge on the intercession. I pray for so-and-so. Found out that so-and-so has cancer. We're praying for them going to this appointment this week. Intercession's big. And to give you a little kind of don't stop praying, in fact, pray more. But one of the ways that you discern intercessory prayer is you look for when you, I call them the just and prayers. You know what I mean by that? Because people use the words just and and a lot. I do the same thing. Just be with, you know, just be with Jim today and Lord just help him. And just, and Lord, you hear a lot of just and and. That's a hint that it's intercessory prayer often going on. Prayers of help are basically, help me. God, help me. This is praying not necessarily for somebody else, but for yourself. And today, prayers of mission. So, the idea is that we would leave here wanting to pray prayers of mission. But this might be one of the ones that's more difficult, in some ways, for some of the reasons that I gave when I was speaking about other faiths. So, mission is, okay, go and tell people about Jesus Christ. So, if I was to say right now to us, and give kind of a rousing inspirational speech if such a thing could be done here at this time by me and then say now go out and tell people about Jesus what would you do and you're going to report back next week and I want to know that you've told five people each day about Jesus the first thing most of you would do would be like oh no maybe I'll miss church next week why is that I mean let me tell you something I'm a pastor I feel the same way some of you don't feel that, and you're looking around going, what are they talking about? Right? That's, you're the exception. You should know that, if that's the case. And I've been, you know, I often think about uh, Barney Gordon. He wouldn't have minded if you said, go tell five people about Jesus. I went for lunch with him, and half the time was my head kind of down, because he was telling everybody about Jesus and giving them tracts and whatever else, right? Go and pray a prayer of mission. So there is this reluctance that we'll speak about and some of the tensions as to why this reluctance is there. It's also important to remember and to learn from those who have come before us as we look forward that if we are not a church of mission and reaching out, then we are actually not the church. This is not just a task of the church. It's a description of the character of the church that Jesus Christ described. You are to go You don't, this, what we do here is so that we can go out. When we forget that and we think that the way to think about church is what happens here only, we forget the very character of the church that Jesus Christ pointed towards. In fact, mission is part of the very character of God. It's an attribute of God before it is a task of the church. So how are we to pray that way? Matthew chapter 28 first. Go and make disciples, teaching them to obey what I have commanded. You got that one? And you've heard that in different contexts. And John 15, this is my command, that you love one another. Go and make disciples, teaching them to obey what I have commanded. And Jesus, in John 15, before the last, or at the Last Supper, says, this is my command, that you love one another. 
Our mission is to bear witness to this love and to teach people this command. So, I would say to you now, I'm not going to grade you on how many people you told about Jesus this week. I would like you to come back next Sunday. But I would ask you this. Will you take up the prayer of mission for Sutherland Church and for the Church of Jesus Christ as a whole? Will you pray, Heavenly Father, would you renew this sense of mission in our midst? We need that renewal. Mission and witness can get a bad name, often for legitimate reasons. We have not always done this well as a Christian church. In fact, we have a rather sordid history. Things like the Crusades, trying to force people to become Christians at the end of a sword. It was really more about politics than religion, and most wars are. But it certainly used the Christian faith and distorted it. And for many people in our world today, those, though this was, you know, a thousand years ago, basically, many people in our world today who don't share the Christian faith still <laughs> fail to even give the Christian faith a hearing because of that thing that happened a thousand years ago. It matters how we do this. It really does. It has cost us greatly. And sometimes the idea can be, well, we'll just do whatever it takes, But at times, we don't recognize the cost of that, that we can lose entire generations. The Inquisition, and some, the Inquisition is a time where, you know, you would burn heretics at the stake uh, if you didn't believe properly. I often think about this in terms of how to understand Christian faith, because one of the things that you can have in your mind, I can too, I mean, I probably don't as much sometimes as, as others, because I read, I would think, not than than everybody here, but I probably read a little more theology than the average person in in the congregation. And so as I'm reading that theology, I'm reminded, you know, there was a time when the Christian church, we thought we had it settled, right? This is what Christian theology means. We've got it right. And we exist here today in Sutherland Church because some people said, I don't think that's quite it, right? But the mistake we make, of course, is what do we do now? Now we've got it. Now we don't need to broaden our understanding. Now we don't need to ask, what does it mean that we can love somebody of a different faith? Right? We think, well, now we know. We know what works. This works, this works, this works. But what I'm saying is our renewal of mission will include this sense of re-looking at what it means to be Christian and to believe this faith. Christian faith has at times thought about mission or practiced it in terms of threatening other people. And some of us are struggling with that sense of if what it takes to convince somebody to come to Jesus is a threat of hell, I'm uncomfortable with that. There are people that I know who have said if if what it means is that, you know, basically most people go to hell, including my family, whatever, but I don't have to, I'm going to choose to go there. It doesn't seem that good news to me that, you know, most people get this terrible thing, but I could... Is it okay to wrestle with that? I think we need to. I think we need to. And I think the center is to understand Jesus Christ more and more and more and more and his love. On Friday, I was riding from Richmond back into Vancouver. I went for a nice long bike ride because it was such a beautiful day. 
And it's been like the seven storms of the apocalypse since then. But, um, and there's a, if you take the SkyTrain out to the airport, this, the SkyTrain goes over a bridge. But what most people don't see is there's actually a walking and bike path on that bridge. It kind of goes underneath the SkyTrain. It's pretty cool. And Kim knows what I'm talking about. And I was riding back across that bridge and coming up, moving up towards it. And on the side, uh, in beautiful letters, like somebody had really nice handwriting with chalk. It, the first one I saw said, beside a post said, where are you going? No, do you know where you're going? And I thought, yes, back home to North Vancouver. But I think you're asking a different question. And then a few, a few posts later, so do you know where you're going? And then the next one said, heaven or hell, question mark. And then the next one said, only Jesus saves. And, then, and I thought, how many people have become Christians by riding across this bridge? I don't know. It didn't happen for me because it had already happened. But anyway, somebody did that with good intention, right? But with a certain perspective on what it means to share this Christian faith. So what I would like to do is pick up this sense of mission again, but with some correctives and some wrestling. And what it means is that in the days and years ahead, you will seek to live out Christian witness with some unanswered questions. Are you okay with that? And the first thing to know that we can't answer, and if you tell me you can, I will tell you you are just, you're lying to me. I love you, but it's just not true what you're telling me. Or that that any one of us can know just what heaven is like, or just what hell is like, or what that kind of it just it isn't true that way. Are you okay with the tension of speaking about the love of Jesus Christ and being able to say to someone if they ask you, but what about this? Are you okay to say, you know what, I don't really know. I don't really know. There's good reason to want these correctives. Jesus Christ himself when he was speaking to the Pharisees. Do you remember this? I think it's Matthew 13, 15. Uh, The woes to the Pharisees. And he says to them, you travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And then you turn them into twice the son of hell that you are. In other words, it's possible. It's possible to be so improperly motivated in mission that you accomplish somehow the opposite of what you thought. This is Jesus Christ speaking to people who had a sense, now this is in Jewish faith, but in a particular strain of mission and conversion. So correctives. The first corrective, and again, I'm not giving you the answers here. I'm basically saying, as a congregation, is it okay if we wrestle with this as we discern where God is leading us in the future? But the first corrective is this, that I felt a lot in my own upbringing, and then as I've learned more and more about Scripture, and I would say grown in faith, uh, this is something I keep hitting up against. And that is that salvation in the Bible is more often spoken of in terms of groups, not individuals. In terms of a people, not a person. This is not what was stressed to me growing up, right? Right? What was stressed to me growing up was my personal individual decision. 
There's worth and value in that. And of course, I understand that if you don't say yes to Jesus Christ to yourself, how can you kind of ride the coattails of the community, right? I'm not saying that. I'm saying we need to wrestle with this. Because our stress over the last 50 years, which has been so highly individualistic, you, now, you, I could point to you. And how does it come out? You could, why do we always choose this one, right? You could get hit by a bus today. All these buses were hitting all these people. But anyway. And you see how it's zeroed in? Bam! And we took up a certain way of mission that was reflected by that understanding. I see where it comes from in Scripture, but I tell you, and I know this confidently, Scripture speaks more about salvation to groups of people than to individuals. If you confess with your mouth, you believe with your heart, you'll be saved, right? Believe in your heart and you'll be saved. Confess Jesus Christ. Of course it's individual, but it's never only individual. We need to wrestle with that. And as we seek to, to live this Christian faith and to invite others into Christian faith, there might be something in that that's helpful to us. So can we determine to consider prayerfully what salvation means in this together sense? Philippians chapter 2 is another one of the verses or chapters that you should memorize. Romans 8, I told you a few weeks ago you should memorize. You should also memorize Philippians 2. You'll be a much, much better person for it. No, you're fine the way you are, but, you know, you'll like it and it'll be good. Therefore, my beloved, this is plural to a church, and it's going to get to the point where the statement is made, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But this is to a group of people. Work out your, plural, salvation with fear and trembling. Before that, it's a majestic chapter. If you have any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from his love. I memorized this when I was quite young. And uh, it was one of the chapters that just was an absolute blessing to me. Still is. If you have any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from his love, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. And listen to what it says next. In one accord, which is the obvious emphasis that he's speaking to a group of people, be like-minded as a people and together in one accord. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in, in humility consider others better than yourselves or before yourselves. And then work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Even our spiritual formation, and this is something that in our world of you know coaching and fitness and whatever else, there's this individual stress again. But for scripture, even spiritual formation is group. It's not just so that you can have a more successful life as an individual. In fact, it's not really for that at all. It's for how it blesses the group, and then that group bears witness to Jesus Christ. John 15, by this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. That's what Jesus is saying before he says, this is my command, that you love one another. He's calling us to bear fruit. And then he gets to, this is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. Matthew 28, go and make disciples observing them to teach all that I have commanded you. Now do you hear John 15 again? This is my command, that you love one another. So then you can get the song in in your head. And they'll know we are Christians by... You can finish it. So we need to determine to do this. And let me just tell you briefly the tensions that we'll come up against. And reminding you, as I do, that each of these is softened or allayed, answered to some degree by hope. 
I don't want to give you an answer to either any one of these tensions. I simply want to say it's hope in Jesus Christ that helps you through these. And if you try to put yourself in one camp or the other, you're going to battle other people, including Christians, which goes nowhere. But if you hold on to hope, what you'll do is you'll think, oh, though I want to move forward, if you look at the first one, though I want to move forward, I'm aware that in our very congregation, there's sometimes people who who have a nostalgia for the past for good reasons, and I need to consider that, and it's hope that allows you to do that. So did the church used to have more of a missionary zeal? Many would say yes. So the response can be that we would go back. This is the first one, go back or go forward. But there are good things to learn from our past as we seek to ask ourselves, what does it mean to bear witness to Jesus Christ today and into the future? David Bosch, who is has a masterful book on um, Christian mission, kind of it was, I don't know, was it, it's about 20 years old now or something. He died in a car accident, I think, not long after he wrote. But uh, it's, it's a seminal work that's referred to by many others. And he talks about having what he calls presently, so that was back then or now, same kind of time, uh, what he calls a failure of nerve often in the Christian church to, to bear witness to Jesus Christ. And so he's asking, where does this come from? And this is a quote from him. The solution to this does not lie in a simple return to early missionary practice. We just need to get back to what we used to do, because it worked then. Well, maybe, but it's kind of how we got to where we are in some ways, too. It's not simply to return to early missionary practice. Clinging to yesterday's images provides solace, but little else. Some of you who feel that know that. It makes you feel better, but it doesn't really accomplish much. Neither does the solution lie in embracing the values of the contemporary world. Rather, we require a new vision to break out of the present stalemate towards a different kind of missionary involvement, which need not mean jettisoning everything generations of Christians have done before us or haughty condemnations of all their blunders. Do we need to move forward? Yes, of course we do. But we need to respect the past and be grateful. Can we do this together? I think we can. I think Sutherland Church is actually uniquely positioned to respect one another in this way. That many of those that some of, sometimes this is old and young, right? Or older and younger. That many of those that some younger people might think, well, they're older and they want to go back or they want, uh, actually, some of those older people can say, no, 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 I want to move forward. Would you help us move forward? We might be uniquely positioned in that. The second tension is separatism or secularization. Go back to it here. There's always a tension in religious circles. This is one of the things that the, I can't remember his name, and if I did, I would not be able to pronounce it. I think he's from Albania, the imam. But uh, obviously this was a huge thing in his community as well. The tension between kind of current generation and previous generations and the tension between secularization, right, or separatism. There's always a tension in the Christian church, other faiths, experience this as well. And depending on what kind of tradition you grew up in, you may have grown up in a tradition that drew really, really rigid lines between the church and the world. That's a separatist kind of way of thinking. And it's not to describe it as all bad, it's to say that's what was happening. We will accomplish our mission by being separate, divided, right? But then what some people say is, yeah, but then what happened is we just accepted all the values, And secularism and secularization just swallowed up the church. 
And there's some truth in that. This is a tension we're going to have to feel, is what I'm saying. And neither one has the whole truth. What does it mean to have a distinction in Christian faith, but not be guided by division? I am convinced, you can disagree with me, but I am convinced that what's coming next in Christ, in, for the Christian church and how we bear witness is that we drop these divisive lines. Not only between denominations and churches, but also between Christian and non-Christian. That the way to bear witness to our faith will be to stress that what God has done for me, I believe he's also done for you. The divisions then fade. I'm not saying the distinctions fade. I believe something that is distinctly different than this young man that I met. Those distinctions can remain, but we will not, we are not divided. See the difference? And Jesus Christ has not called me to stress those divisions. That's going to be a tension. The third one is idealism or malaise. In 1900, the general secretary of the Norwegian Missionary Society, having looked at the stats of a number, the numbers of Christians in Asia and Africa in 1800 and 1900. So here's what's happening. This guy in Norway, Christian guy running a missionary agency, he's, he's running that in 1900. And he's saying, between 1800 and 1900, all these people became Christians in Asia and Africa. And then you know what he did? Something that I would never do. He did the math. And he figured out that by 1990, everybody in the world's going to be a Christian. I mean, it's, it, it's ridiculous. It's not good math anyway. It's not how these things work, right? But there was an idealism that if, if people just hear, then this will... And sometimes you can see kind of echoes of that idealism. You hear it often in reference to places in the developing world where scores and scores and scores of people are becoming Christian, and then we idealize that, and then we say, what's happening here in the West? Right? That idealization does not always help. And we will not be able to bear witness to Jesus Christ in this community in exactly the same ways that it's happening in other places. But the, the converse of that, the, the other side of the tension, is that there can be a malaise. There can be this kind of like, well, nobody cares in this world. I can't talk about Jesus here. Nobody cares at all. Everything is just, right? That's attention. And of course, neither one is terribly, terribly helpful. This malaise is what Bosch referred to as a failure of nerve. We can look around and we can feel like a, a beleaguered minority. But that, just think of Jesus Christ Day and the early church. That was never, that was always something that compelled them to witness, not to malaise. It's hope in Jesus Christ that helps you through these things. And true hope means that you don't have to be an idealist and you don't have to have this failure of nerve. And finally, as we mentioned earlier, but I want to have it there again because it's so important, that one of the tensions will be between the individual and the communal. Um, one of the things that I've experienced as a pastor through the years at this church, um, I've seen in other churches too, but I think it happens more in more kind of standard evangelical churches with where the gospel's been presented in a particular way. This wouldn't happen, for example, as much at a Presbyterian church, um, sometimes in the evangelical Presbyterian church, but here I've stood at those back doors right there, 
and I've had people come to me almost in tears. Usually they're older and they have adult children. And they're terrified that their kids have maybe not made the commitment to Jesus Christ that they long for them to make. Why are they terrified? They're terrified for their eternal destiny, right? As they have been taught and shown. So I've prayed. I've prayed, Lord Jesus Christ, what do I do with this? How do I help? And I'm not making a grand theological statement here. I'm telling you a pastoral thing that I felt in prayer. God has laid on my heart, Todd, do you know that my love is bigger than any person's decisions? Do you worship me or do you worship a decision? Just telling you. Because often, the real thing and the way we've presented faith, everything hinges on that. My assent, my accepting. I understand that. I've done that. I long for people to do that. But at times, it turns into that's actually the most, maybe only, truly effective thing. Without that, God is utterly helpless. I'm describing to you now attention. I'm not asking you to change your theology, and I'm not changing mine in this regard. But I'm saying it's good to name the tension. Jesus Christ. Remember this scene? When they took the, paral- the paralyzed man, and they, we talked about this a few weeks ago, and they went to bring him to Jesus, and they couldn't get him there, right? The crowds of people around. And so they tore a hole in the roof and lowered him down. And what did Jesus say when the man was lowered down? You remember? Well, it's there for you. There's the answer. When Jesus saw their faith. Whose faith? Whose faith? The faith of the friends. He said to the man. Actually, no, he's absolutely and totally wrong there. He's wrong because that man didn't make a decision for Jesus. I'm just reading you the word of the Lord. I'm not calling for compromise. I'm I'm saying, can we ask, Lord Jesus Christ, would you show us a way forward in bearing witness to your love that more and more people could come to know what you have done for them and accept that? But some of the even well-meaning things we've done have gotten us to a place at times where we're reluctant to speak of Jesus Christ. Because maybe we're afraid that people are picking up a fearful thing or a judgmental thing from us. Can we live in these tensions? (laughs) I deeply, deeply respect my heritage. I think part of this is the night I became a Christian, nobody kind of led me to it. They didn't say, now you should repent. And now I just had these visions of Jesus and this prayer. and this. So that might be part of it. Please accept that. Later on, I went to the front and knelt down and prayed a prayer and repented of my sins. But the real night I came to know Jesus Christ is when Jesus Christ was revealed to me by the Holy Spirit. And so then when, when the formula was given... I've never probably been all in on the formula. (laughs) There's always more than that. 
can we live in those tensions? I want to see people come to faith, to an awareness of the love of Jesus Christ. And we owe the world, we owe the world to bear witness to this love. So will you pray prayers of mission, even at times aware of these tensions, going back or going forward, separatism or secularization, idealism or malaise, and working together. I want to end by telling you about a meeting I had this week. I've not asked either of these people if I can do this, and they don't need to worry that I'll get into details because I won't. But I had my first triad meeting, prayer triad meeting this week with Bart and Corrine. Corrine Wheeler and Bart Vanderland and myself meeting at Corrine's place. And I think they would echo this. You can ask them later. Uh, It was a beautiful time of prayer in the presence of the Holy Spirit. The turn seemed to come when Corrine shared just briefly, asking for prayer for something in her family, and Bart prayed for her, but they shared some common struggles. And without even ever speaking about it, the Holy Spirit descended in that place, and something beautiful happened. We're in this together We can't bear witness to the love of Jesus Christ individually. can't be done. It's together. I want to hold these tensions. I'm okay with it. What we will do together, what we are committed to, is bearing witness to Jesus Christ and his love. 1 Peter 3.15 You should memorize this too. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. You mean people might ask? I think they might if we bear witness well. It's never only in action. It is with words. But always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. We are called. Would you ask God if he would renew you in your call for this? And if you're on one or the other side of these tensions, understand you're not alone. But ask God to renew your bearing of witness to Jesus Christ and his love and salvation in this world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us to where we are. We are so tremendously grateful to those who have come before us. We wouldn't be here without them. And you, Holy Spirit, by your presence and your revelation, you put upon the hearts of those who'd come before the desire, the will, and even the energy to be committed to mission. We pray that we would as well. We seek to honor them, but we don't need to be them. We need to ask how in our time we are to bear witness to the love of Jesus Christ. I ask your particular blessing on those who this, as we seek and move, and if everything's not exactly the same, on those who that is a difficulty for. Holy Spirit, would you work? 
and help us work together, people who feel and see things differently, but that what we would have in common is that we, will, we long for people, Lord Jesus, to know your love and to respond. So we thank you for this call and this blessing. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.